0: It's one American podcast live with Matthew Colkin. How are you today, sir?
1: Always good to be back.
0: Yeah, it's awesome, man. We've done a lot of podcasts together. I appreciate you giving me the time of day.
1: I, I you're my favorite uh, podcaster, so anytime I get asked, I drop everything.
0: I appreciate that. So, how did you like uh, being on InfoWars a, a number of weeks ago?
1: It was great. Um, I uh, was. It was. I, I just. Um, it's upsetting to see what. Has happened to Alex. I mean, it, it seems like the penalty doesn't necessarily fit. I, I don't see how you justify those damages.
0: Yeah. Well, wasn't there one estimate that was like $2.4 trillion or something?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs>
0: like GDP. I'm not
1: saying that he, he doesn't deserve to potentially pay financially, but that's, sure. you know, the, 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 the crime doesn't fit the time in that, in my yeah. opinion, at least.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not really sure, because obviously, I'm not a lawyer, how, how it works in a defamation case like this, where if you're if you, if you convicted of defaming a number of people across a number of different states on the internet, what jurisdiction are you supposed to be tried? Is it just wherever the victim is? And so if there's victims in three states, there's a different trial in three states? Or is it where you are as the host? Like How does that work? It seems like he's being attacked a million times. We-
1: yeah, you have to establish that the venue's proper, so that uh, you're filing suit in in, in, pro- in the proper jurisdiction. And I don't, I mean, I I I just sue the federal government, so it's a, a little yeah. bit outside of my um, my purview. But um, I'm, it's one of the things that you have to establish when you're filing a lawsuit that, that uh, you've got standing and that you're in the proper venue.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So. Mm-hmm my question is how can they, are they suing him personally or are they suing Infowars? You know, I'm not sure how familiar you are with the case.
1: I'm not that familiar with the case. Um, I just know that I think it was very shortly after I, the the two of us appeared. I think that the the, the verdict came down. Um, so I, it, it popped into my, uh, into my vision, but, um, I, uh, I really don't know whether or not, because I haven't been following the case. I don't really know whether or not they sued him personally. I mean, generally speaking, you, you sue the deepest pockets, uh, and I can't imagine that whatever insurance policy he had would cover a trillion dollars. I mean, who, who could afford right. that or kind a billion of even? Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, I mean, I have, I have insurance policies, and they're in the millions, not into the billions, to let alone the trillions. Right. Um, yeah. But I, I, you know. It's unfortunate that, first of all, I I would never want to believe that there were people out there that were were evil enough to uh, pretend that they had children that were murdered. It's just that that was a conspiracy theory that was beyond – didn't pass the the sniff test to me. I I, I love conspiracy theories when it comes to just the entertainment value of them. I find them hysterical to to play through, and I love – seeing the production value of the things that are that you see on youtube and you go through all of it and it's pure entertainment for me i just i mean i'm entertained but i don't really view it as anything other than entertainment even though they may raise very very valid questions and potentially could have kernels of truth in them um the flat earthers of the world don't have any standing in, in in my court
0: have you ever been in a debate with a flat earther
1: no, I wouldn't I wouldn't waste my time.
0: Well, I was in a situation in which I couldn't avoid it because I was like at a, um, I'm a Freemason. So I was, at, I was at a Masonic lodge meeting and there was a flat earther that visited the lodge, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you get all sorts of people at a Masonic lodge, by the way, that show up. Like a lot of people are like, "Is Illuminati real. And so <laughs> this guy was talking about how the earth is flat and he was going into the science and the gyroscopes. And I'm just like, if the earth is flat, then how come every other planet is round? <laughs> you know, like, you know, and he's like, you know, just some answer. And, and finally I was like, all right, all right. So let's assume that NASA and the government and everybody's lying and the earth is flat. Why are they lying? And his response was because the government doesn't want us to believe in God.
1: Okay. I, you know, once again, people are going to believe what they're going to believe. And I, I I've, I've come to terms with the fact that there are things that I'm not smart enough to understand, number one. And number two, no one on earth is smart enough to understand. I'm fairly confident that in 100 years, we're going to look back on the current science, and uh, it was untrustworthy. It was not worthy of our trust. Uh, I mean, you just look at what we believed to be medical fact a year ago doesn't really seem to play out from year to year. And, and that's one of the things that uh, to, you know, we were talking about, Elon Musk, before we got on on the air. Uh, what he's doing is so absolutely important to, th- to this very topic, and that's allowing for open debate. I mean, during the pandemic, anyone with a dissenting opinion with regards to the medical science of, of COVID and its origins and its the treatment thereof, there was such a coordinated effort from legacy media, um, the, uh, the Democratic Party, the scientific community to get behind this group think that we have the established narrative that is dogma. It's religious dogma, and it's, it was flat-eartherism. I mean, it was either you believe in this or you don't believe in God. And God, their, God was, their God was their scientific truth. Which was not scientific fact.
0: Yeah, it's, and I, I did a, a Twitter rant thread a couple hours ago, sort of in this vein. Where, I missed it, damn it. Oh, man, it, it's pretty good. <laughs> Actually, you know what yeah. I'll do? I'll just, I'll read it right now, uh, just to see what you think, because I'm interested in your feedback on this. I won't, I won't necessarily read the whole rant, but rather than try to rephrase it, I'll just read the carefully thought out phrasing I already used. So I said, the government is pressuring businesses to censor freedom of speech, which is unconstitutional. Government officials and business leaders who advocate for the suppression of speech are either violating their oaths of office or fundamentally anti-American. Then I said, platforms that have been previously ambivalent to things like child pornography, CCP, espionage, and manipulation on TikTok Privacy violations and other serious issues are suddenly expressing concern over the quote health and safety end quote of users. This is a front. The fact of the matter is big tech in conjunction with government officials do not want free speech because it isn't conducive to their political agenda. There's a concerted effort to conglomerate the flow of information so it can be controlled, i.e., so you can be controlled. And it it's just it baffles me how the App Store is, you know, Apple isn't criticizing Snapchat just based on the fact that 14 year olds are sending nude pictures of each other constantly on that platform, Mm -hmm. but, but they're worried about, you know, not censoring dangerous misinformation on, on Twitter. Like where are the priorities here?
1: Well, I mean, it's, it's a double standard and the hypocrisy is, uh, is mind numbing. Um, The reality of the situation is, is that I, okay. So there's tons of of different ways to look at this and now I'm digressing, but there's tons of different ways to look at this. Um, the, the, there is the the version that big tech cor- and corporate America, Wall Street, etc., the the big banks that they're working, they're colluding with the Democratic Party to be able to number one be profitable, but also to to advance their their uh, social justice narrative that they find to be. Um, uh, to be more palatable because of the people that are now in those those industries. But I don't necessarily know if I subscribe to that theory. I think I subscribe to the theory that they're not in working with con- in concert with the Democratic Party. What they're doing is they're trying to distract us from what's actually going on because it impacts th- their bottom line. They don't want us to, they want, they're the gladiator show when Rome's burning. You know, feed them wine, feed them marijuana, keep them happy, keep the so that they don't notice that we're sending billions of dollars a month to Ukraine to launder and and. And it's being completely unaccountable for. And meanwhile, there's 87,000 new IRS agents that are going to be cycling through the agency to make sure that the average American who's actually paying taxes, someone like me, a small guy who's a small business owner, has a small law firm that happens to make a little bit more money than the average American, that, that I'm paying 50 percent of my income in taxes. Uh, and the Elon Musks of the world, they don't give a fuck about taxes i mean you can tax income isn't
0: even income tax isn't even income tax it's all selling shares it's capital gains only right
1: well i i I don't know how he's doing it i just know that i'm not doing it that way i know i gotta (laughs) go to work i I know that if i stop going to work there's a problem the mortgage doesn't get paid and they don't have to they don't i mean these people are so unfathomably wealthy uh especially the these politicians i mean Joe Biden, that guy, how many homes does he have?
0: He's had a number. I don't know how many he currently owns, but at least, at least two right now, I believe. I think he's got a beach house in Delaware and then maybe another primary residence. And of course, he lives in the White
1: House. Until he became vice, that was the highest paying job he ever held before he became right. president. He vice president. And he amassed most right. of his wealth while he was vice president. I wonder how he right. did that. I wonder if that's on Hunter's laptop.
0: Yeah, sure is. It was all money laundering through Rosemont Seneca and MetabioTA and DoD contracts in Ukraine,
1: and we're doing it still. I mean, there's. I just saw there's 20 billion unaccounted for. 20 billion that we've just given over to Ukraine. And look, I'm not. I'm not someone that's a fan of Vladimir Putin. I I certainly didn't buy into any of the, matter of fact, I did it on this show right here. I think the first time I never bought into any of the Russian collusion stuff. I didn't think Trump was colluding with Russia. I don't think Trump had to. Pardon me? Why would he have needed to? Well, exactly. He had already won. And it seems like Russia always just seems to be colluding and interfering with our elections when the Republicans win. But the, the, Second that a Democrat it's a fair, free and fair election. Completely free and fair. Still there? Here, can you hear me?
0: Yeah, I can hear you. I think my video just cut out. I'll fix it. Um, right. keep, keep going. Finish your thought.
1: Yeah, so, my, so the, the point being, there we go. So the point being is that you don't have to be an election denier to realize that we're not operating on an even playing field. It, there's a double standard no matter on, on all planes of our of our political system, our educational systems, everything that is slanted against a certain viewpoint. And uh, 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 there's got to be a point that we can figure out, because it can't be just the conservative versus the liberal political narrative. I just don't think that – I just don't think that – people in big tech people in big uh um, the, the legacy media um got big government and um and corporate america really care that much about a biological male competing with 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 sure. biological females i don't think that that's they that's not high enough on their radar that they could care less about or so that so they could care less about it mm-hmm. um or they couldn't care less um Well,
0: you know, I'm a big fan of the big short. It's a great movie, great book. And, you know, one of the things that was abundantly made clear in in that story, and I don't think this is just Hollywood, this is the nature of the story that what we experienced 2006 through 2008, is that the banks knew what they were doing. And they knew it was going to pop and they didn't care because they knew that they were going to get bailed out. And so if, if we're talking about entities with that level of lack of conscience, then when they talk about ESG or diversity, equity, and inclusion, there's no fucking way I believe that they're just bleeding hearts from their you know, corner C-suite offices uh, for, for minority communities when they're constantly fucking them with interest rates and bad loans and uh, um, uh, um, adjustable uh, interest rate loans and, and just Ugh. loan sharking all. They don't care. So the question then becomes, if they're not really about this ESG stuff and this DEI stuff, why are they pushing it? There's gotta be something
1: in it for them, right? Well, they're becoming unfathomably wealthy and they don't care because once they have theirs, it doesn't make a difference what happens to the economy. They've got their money. If you've got a bank account with fifty million dollars in it, it really is until hyperinflation hits, you know, you're still living large and you've got you've bought your freaking your compound in New Zealand that you're going to take your private jet to and hang out with Matt Lauer because he's got a place down there. I mean, if you look, I've Google, Google billionaires buying up land in New Zealand, there's a whole bunch of these billionaires that have, have basically they're creating like these doomsday bunkers and, and people from Silicon Valley who are, uh, and I'm not saying that this is any, this is going to happen, but they understand that with technology, there is a certain amount of obsolescence of the, of of humanity. There's a limited amount of, like, for example, go into a grocery store, Walmart, any one of those stores. Good luck seeing a checker anymore. There's no checker. You go to those kiosks and you, and there's one person there checking a receipt as you leave and a camera right there. Uh, making sure that in case you get caught, that they, they, they bust you. They're not, there's very few checkout people anymore. There's kiosks at McDonald's. They're eliminating all the low paying jobs partly part because they've mandated $15 an hour minimum wage. So, I mean, they've eliminated the low end jobs to allow kids to have their first jobs and get some experience in the workforce. That's what those jobs are for. They're not for a 52 year old man who's got two degrees I mean, it was, th- those are entry level jobs that used to be filled by kids. And guess what? Kids don't want to fill those jobs because if they figured out college aid kids during the pandemic that they got paid for staying home, they were getting checks in New York state. They were getting a check from New York state. Plus if the, they were making like 30 grand a year for sitting at home for, for a year or two, I mean, why is it that there's, they're, they're never going back into a low end workplace job. And yeah. I mean, and then you've got all the unionization. I mean, look uh, look at these Starbucks baristas. I mean, they're they're looking to make unions out of their their coffee pouring job. I mean, when I was a kid, pouring coffee. I mean, yeah, I'm look. Coffee I'm not for closers. Hey, that's right. Second place gets a set set of steak knives. All right, third place. You're third place, fired. place, you're fired. You're fired. <laughs>
0: Oh, Alec Baldwin, what a champion, what an American hero. Oh, well, I
1: mean, you know, he can he's he's a killer.
0: He's a killer. So, so my theory about the ESG stuff, and just for the sake of the audience, ESG stands for environmental, sustainability, and governance, and it's what I believe to be an intentionally obscure parameter by which major banking institutions determine who is worthy of investment, right? So, there's ESG scores, companies get these ESG scores, whether it's Enron or not Enron, Exxon or, or Tesla or whatever. And the, the thing is that there's no really, there's no objective system by which an ESG score is attributed to uh, an entity or an organization. It's usually done with like panelists and it's sort of like a whimsical, it's almost like a beauty pageant where like people just hold up a card like, you know, 10 or eight or whatever, like, or like the Olympics. And so, in my opinion, it seems to me like the ESG narrative is a front for basically this mechanism that these institutions can use to determine who gets investment or who doesn't on a global scale at just the whim of whoever's in charge of putting together the panels and the, and the entities that that provide these ESG scores. So if I'm a major globalist banking institution, and for some reason I hate Elon Musk, right, because he's catalyzing freedom of speech on the internet. And I don't want Elon Musk to have any access to any capital for his Tesla factories, because I want him to suffer. And because I want him to be rendered powerless, then if I have this ESG mechanism that all these global or major centralized banking institutions have agreed to abide by, we can just simply give Tesla an unsatisfactory ESG score, which renders them disqualified from any sort of Finance, right? So we're not going to loan you the hundred million dollars for your new, your new Tesla factory or whatever, even though we know that you're going to make a killing and we're going to get our money back because you, you you didn't meet our ESG requirements. So I think that it's um I think it's a front and it's just an excuse to uh, uh, only provide capital to entities that um, follow a certain political agenda.
1: Yeah, I just can't believe that these banks would be stupid enough to eliminate the, the, the vetting that is historically responsible, which is to give people money when there's a likelihood of them being able to repay it. I mean, and, and during the, the first, uh, too big to fail, um, I I'll, I'll never forget. I was in my, I was in my first home. I was a young lawyer, uh, didn't have, you know, a ton of money or anything along those lines. And I was offered very shortly after that. I, and I had like a, I don't remember what my first interest rate was on my first house, but it had to have been like 8 or 9%, something like that. Um, and, and at the time, I was happy to have it. But they were offering me the ability to, um, to uh, refinance. And they were willing to give me twice as much than my house was worth. With like Basically, you're just sign on the dotted line. We'll give you twice what your house, house is worth and uh but it was going to be uh variable interest rate and i was like variable interest rate i'm you know i wasn't a an, uh, an econ major but i was an english major and i know what variable means and variable means that it's uh it's subject to change and it can go up and it can go down and if it goes down i'm happy and if it goes up i, I going to be able to afford the uh the payment on twice the value of my home. I said right. no I'll take a fixed rate and I went from there and I and I paid off my home as as I as I normally would. But I know that the I mean that's what happened. I mean people were just getting all these variable they were getting multiple mortgages on their homes and then the interest rates all jumped up and they all went bankrupt. And they and, and that's what's going to happen they that's what they want to do again. We are haven't learned a damn thing. That's what Biden, I believe that's what Biden was just talking about. They're trying to get more people back into their homes. We don't want to get more people back into homes I, if you can afford it. But, I mean, how are you going to afford it if you most? What's shocking to me is how few people are returning to the. Uh, Biden's touting unemployment and blah, 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 blah. It's not unemployment when people are just going back to work and jobs that were shut down because of the pandemic. Right. They, they literally just were allowed to go back to work. They were unemployed because they weren't allowed to go into work and then as soon as they the government lifted restrictions and said you can now go into a restaurant and order chicken wings when you have uh have beer, which is what happened in New York state, thanks Cuomo. Um that's not that's not creating a new job. That's just allowing someone to go back to work. But there as we were just discussing there's so many people that have no interest in returning to the workforce I mean they want this uh, universal basic income uh, to kick in they want to have they want to have the ability to just live a life and, and hey who's who am I to judge I mean I would love to be able to not have to work and live a live a great life it'd be nice but someone's got to pay for it unfortunately I'm the sucker that's going to be paying for it you know the small business owner the guy that that needs his income. Otherwise the lights get shut off.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it was funny. Cause when the pandemic kicked in, uh, one of my wife's close friends lost her job. Uh, she worked at a, uh, like a yoga center, right. Mm-hmm. And they shut all those down right off the bat cause large gatherings, Namaste. small rooms. Right. And I called her and I was like, Hey, uh, I actually need some help with some stuff. Do you want to work for me? Part-time or full-time I'll pay you, you know, 25 bucks an hour which is 50 grand a year right and um she's like you know i crunched the numbers and i'll actually get about as much if i don't work so i'm just not going to i'm gonna wait for my job to come back whenever this is over and and can like, you uh, no i'm not really but i felt i was so pissed because i knew I was pissed. so that was what was frustrating about it to me is that yeah it's like i'm still paying you but you're not working right like the way that you're doing it so i don't know i just and like I, you know, I've said the same thing that you just said that you know, I'd love to not, not have to work and be able to do whatever I want. But honestly, if you think about it, I think that's a pretty miserable state of, of life to just not be productive and sit on your hands and watch Netflix all day. That's fun for like three days. And then it just sucks.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm at the other end of it. I'm actually at the point where retirement is, is really not that far away from me, uh, thankfully, because um, I've been I've worked, I worked hard. I, I mean, I worked 60, 70 hours a week for 22, 23 years to, you know, amass some, some wealth, uh, and live underneath your means. You know, don't have, don't buy things that you can't afford. You know, just be responsible, which actually goes to another topic of conversation. This, uh, the, the Biden, uh, 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 student debt forgiveness that got struck down by, I think it was 10th circuit i can't remember which circuit struck it down but it doesn't make a difference it's like what about people like that that were responsible that didn't take out all those loans or alternatively didn't go to a more expensive school uh and got maybe less of a of a um of a, a ranking on their diploma because there's the school that they went they could have gotten into that i get they got into they elected not to go into because it was going to be 65 seventy thousand a year and they went to a state school instead because it was the fiscally responsible fiscal responsibility is no longer an american value being smart with your money being dedicated working hard and uh and paying your debts that's you're looked at as a, as a sucker if you do that those the, that's what my generation was told to believe you know, work your ass off I, i'm from the you know i grew up in the I'm a 70s kid grew up in the eight, came to age in the 80s with all the you know all those the Brack pack the brat pack uh, the gordon gecko uh greed is good sure. all that kind of stuff that's the mindset that i grew up in, in which was you work hard so that you can get rich and and you don't become rich by not working hard. And it's funny because I was just watching this other thing, which segues about the TikTok. Um, and this goes to sort of goes into a couple of the different topics we've spoken about. In sure. China, if you go on a TikTok, they have it throttled so that the only things that come out are like educational type videos. And versus here where it's all these influencers putting up whatever they put yeah, up. Yeah, you have
0: to solve a math problem every five videos or something like that.
1: Something like that. I don't really know exactly how it works. I'm not on TikTok. Um, I'm aged out. But in any event, so you, they ask children in China what they want to be when they grow up. What do you think the answer is, the, the overwhelming uh, number one answer percentage-wise for what children in China want to be when they grow up?
0: I'm going to guess software engineer.
1: Close. An astronaut. Oh, okay. An astronaut. Uh, in the STEM. But in any event, in the United States, what do you think, that's the same question, what What do you think kids say they want YouTuber? to be? YouTuber? Influencer? <laughs> Influencer? Influencer. Influencer.
0: <laughs> it's just like vanity versus uh, yep. exploration.
1: Yep. So China's one because the, the, our, our kids' education has been completely gutted and rotted from within. They're more interested in teaching gender identity than they are the sciences. I, I, and, uh, and kids have no interest in working hard. They just want to have followers and, and be given free stuff because they're an influencer. And I, I mean... I'm sure every single guy like me throughout time is saying the same thing that the we're screwed. The next generation is is you can even it's
0: in Plato's Republic. Socrates says it.
1: Right. And I never bought into that at all because I have a lot of friends that are young, a lot younger than me and uh, saw what they did to really develop the Internet. It's not my generation that developed the Internet for the most part. It's, it's the, the guys that are 10, 15 years younger than me, Your guys, guys your age, 20 years younger than me. Uh, so I see – and, and it's not even the, the – like the millenn- millennials get a bad rap. I'm convinced of that. I've seen a lot of millennials that, work, that like to work hard. It's this Generation Z. Generation Z, it's the zombie generation, and I don't I, – I, I, I hope I'm proven wrong, but I'm scared to death. Because, God forbid, you know, we've been talking world war. I mean, Ukraine was trying to goad us into going to a nuclear war with Russia. Do you really want to see Gen Z in our, filling our military and fighting a war for the United States? Can you imagine that shit? We'll just they might, get They might
0: grow up pretty quick. You grow up
1: pretty quick if you storm the beach in Normandy. They won't get off fucking boat. <laughs> Don't the guy that, that, that hid in the boat and got shot. This is nothing like Call of Duty, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. I, and, and personally, I mean, I, I, I'm anti-war. I'm uh, I'm an isolationist. I really don't believe that we should be spending. We should uh, our military budget is obscene. What I would rather see is a fraction of that budget be specifically focused on special warfare. Like have our have our special warfare guys be the best trained, the best equipped and, and the best paid so that like guys like Pat Tillman, you know, these amazing humans are like, huh, I can make $150, $200,000 a year and then get a pension going into special warfare. You know, maybe I'm not good enough to make the NFL or the NBA or whatever, but I'm a physical specimen and I, you know, and I'm a smart guy too, or woman. Uh, and, uh, and give them give them the ability to replenish our. I mean, those the special warfare community is is plagued by by fatigue and exhaustion and suicides because those guys have just been. I mean, we've been in an endless war for for what is it, twenty one years now.
0: We've pretty much been at war, whether hot or cold, ever since World War II. Honestly, ever since World War One. In my opinion, World War One and World War Two are the same war. There was just a ceasefire. Yeah. You know, it really yeah. started because of the whole Treaty of Versailles if you th- if you look at the history of why that all kicked off and you know.
1: Well, so I That goes into that. That goes into the whole thing we were talking about with Putin in Ukraine. Do you see Putin Putin as being Hitler? Do you think no. that's his goal?
0: I don't think he's a good guy, but I don't think he's Hitler. Yeah.
1: I uh I don't see him barnstorming through Europe.
0: No. He's, I think he's, um, he's a Russian sovereignist, if that's even a word. I think he just believes in the sovereignty of his country, and everything that every other country does in NATO uh, is centered around trying to bully Russian into submission. I even believe that um, a huge incentive behind the climate change claims over the last several decades has been an effort to move the global energy consumption to renewables in an effort to compromise Russia's econ- economy because their econ- 70% of their economy is energy exports of fossil mm-hmm. fuels. So everybody knows that we've got this rogue nuclear power that won't play ball with us. And the only way that we can buckle them is if we just cripple their economy, uh, similar to how we did during the Cold War. Uh, and I think that that's really the incentive behind this climate change stuff because i don't believe for a minute that any of our politicians are concerned about the health and safety of two generations from now
1: i just think like, that there the, 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 there was a one there once upon a time was a way to turn russia into an ally there was a way sure sure i mean remember the debate between obama and romney and Romney got laughed. He, he got mocked by Obama for saying that Russia was a global enemy. That wasn't that long ago. Right. He, li- right. he literally was like, you know, the eighties, I think that he said the eighties call and called and they want their foreign policy back. I think that was the joke that Obama used in the debate. Great joke. You know, <laughs> he I mean, was, he was a talented politician. <laughs> he, he was, he was he won twice. Uh, he legitimately won twice Uh, You know, there's no question that Obama won twice. There is no question in my mind that there weren't 81 million people that went out to vote for Joe Biden. Sure. Well, I
0: I, when I really think about it, I'm drawn to the notion that Russia actually was never an enemy. And I'm inclined Mm -hmm. to think that the Cold War was the military-industrial complex and the intelligence community deceiving the various White Houses over the course of that Cold War to exaggerate the threat that was Russia because it was incredibly lucrative to sell ammunition, to develop this technology, the weapon. I mean, there were so many contracts and there was so much money in it. I think they exaggerated the Russian threat. And I think that Russia the whole time was just trying to keep up from a defensive position and that they never had any intention of like forcing communism on the United States or anything like that. I, I think that, I think the cold war basically was, was made up by our own military apparatus because it was incredibly lucrative. That's, that's my, why did that. we,
1: I don't necessarily disagree. I think that there's some validity to that theory. And why is it that we just abandoned billions and billions of dollars of equipment in, in Afghanistan?
0: It's very bizarre. And why is it that we're pumping so much, so many weapons into Ukraine when we know that they're going to lose? Like, who's going to wind up with all that stuff? Russia. The war's over. Russia's going to get it all.
1: We don't care who has it. We only care that we have to make more of it. Because if we, oh well, we just lost. We have to. We have to make more. So we need a new contract. And you know, there's ten percent for the big guy. The big guy's
0: going to get his. Yeah, and they they fucking knew that. Ukraine was going to get invaded when, when we left Afghanistan. It, oh, did they? I think they so. I think they knew because there were, there mm-hmm. were rumors about it for an extended period of time uh, prior to it actually happening many months. And I believe mm-hmm. that it extended back into the fall before it happened uh, when we left Afghanistan. Certainly the intelligence community was aware that there was, there were arrangements being made for an invasion of Ukraine. And if they weren't, they're entirely incompetent. Like how do you, not know if Russia's planning to do an invasion. They didn't just decide spontaneously to do it and catch everybody by surprise. They were working on it, right? And there's no mm-hmm. way we don't have moles and spies. There's no way we didn't know it was going to happen. And Biden kept saying it was going to happen way before it did happen. And mm-hmm. I thought he was just lying. And I, you know, I was like, bullshit, you know, but he was right. And so he knew he was getting intelligence. And so what's baffling to me is why would we leave all the weaponry and equipment in afghanistan knowing that there was an incredible likelihood meet. that ukraine would need it right we could have just sent it to ukraine right oh, it, well, it, you it, know why?
1: because it, because if we would have done that we wouldn't have had to send billions longer. and billions of dollars to ukraine right. to they give 10 percent. ten percent. they wanted to launder the money They had to. This was the biggest transfer of wealth in the
0: history. So so they armed our enemies and they they stole our money. Yes. Our own government. This is like this is enemy of the people's shit. That's yes. totally new, and love, it's like it would have. How expensive would it have been relative to the billions of dollars we're giving Ukraine to, like you know, drop off the helicopters and tanks that we had, not arm Al Qaeda mm-hmm. or whatever? We're gonna hold off now.
1: on the withdrawal. We're not gonna like you know uh, allow our servicemen or members to uh, to twist in the wind and die while we're pulling out ahead of time what we're gonna do is we're gonna do we're gonna slow down our drawdown a little bit we're gonna take our equipment out and the pallets of money that are left behind out of Afghanistan first we're gonna send it over to Ukraine because they're gonna need it and uh, because they're about to be invaded by yeah. literally Hitler right right and but no we're not gonna do that we're just gonna you know because none of it makes sense unless you look at it from the perspective of The, the people that make me from arms deals needed to sell arms. You know, I mean, I've actually gotten to the point. I was having this conversation today with my business manager. I'm, I don't believe that America's capable of being fixed anymore. I think it's over.
0: It's not looking good, but we've been, I mean, imagine how people must've felt during the civil war. There was probably a lot of that well, going was around. A lot.
1: The federal government wasn't anything like it is now in the Civil War. I mean, that was, a, that was a fight between humans, and they resolved their difference on a battlefield, and millions of people died. I don't remember how many millions of people died. I think was it was 2 million people that died in the Civil War. I, I don't remember. I could be wrong, but I believe the number is more like 800,000. I'll look it up. Okay.
0: But it was the largest casualty war for right. the United States because both sides were
1: Americans. Yeah, I don't remember the number, so forgive me for.
0: Uh, that's okay. It's okay. Six hundred twenty thousand uh, dead. So there were right. way more casualties. All right. Casualties right. So there, anyone, so,
1: so. Sure. Uh, when you have a, a conventional war like that, eventually there's going to be war fatigue. All right. But we don't we don't have a conventional war going on in this country. The, I believe the civil war has already started. Like when the historians write write the history books about the split up of the United States, which I believe is an end an, and there's uh we've talked about this at length on other podcasts so i won't get into it too deeply but it's being predicted it's been it's an eventuality that's been predicted by a number of economists and historians over the course of the last two decades that the united states is, is starting to get a little long in the tooth with regards to um our ability to remain united right i i don't believe that there will ever be a conventional war in the united states again i think that what we're seeing out in um, in Western, excuse me, in Eastern Oregon, is become is is that what's going to happen there? Is there's just going to be a number of states, rural parts of states, that are going to say no? We are no longer going to align with um, the politics of the big city and the the, the tax and spend Democrat policies because workers were working and and we can't ever get our power back because of just the populations. And they're going to align with other other states that are more politically aligned with them. And there's going to be a... a, a the, the United States is going to just... The boundaries are going to be redrawn. And that's going to be basically the way the Civil War will work. It'll be a redrawing of boundaries and potentially uh, a shrinking of the power of the federal government where these states are going to stop sending money to the federal government. They're going to pass laws that are going to limit tax federal taxation and it'll just starve out the federal government and that's going to have wide reaching effects on a national level i mean on on an international level i mean it'll i don't see the u.s dollar being the world's currency in 50 years i don't know if you're still there chase i can still i don't know if
0: you can still hear me or not but sorry my camera keeps cutting out
1: yeah, um, I can I can hear you. I'm filibustering, but I don't know if that's a, a good. No, thing. You're
0: no, you're doing great. I I'm, appreciate it. We've had all sorts of technical difficulties, it's, um, probably just because the government doesn't want us to have any communication about this sort Not of right. thing. So I have a very I agree with everything that you said, and I think it's very reasonable. But I have a very hard time believing that any territory within the United States will be able to divorce without violence. I just can't imagine the federal government allowing that to happen because in the event that that would happen, I imagine that we would have a very leftist federal government mm-hmm. we already i do. just i and I just couldn't see that sort of mentality
1: well um i would i want to hope that we will never see a conventional war in the United States uh, ever again. I don't ever want to see Americans taking up arms against other Americans as much of an advocate of the second amendment. And from a philosophical standpoint uh, that I am my my philosophy on the second amendment uh, is I I don't like to even think about um, all enemies, the domestic part of the foreign and domestic, I think more of, um, of, the citizenry's uh, the the average citizen's ability to be able to take up arms in participation of a militia let's say hypothetically you know china's to come here they uh they do some part of an emp they you know they uh they 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 detonate a nuke above a a portion of the united states or multiple parts of the united states it takes out communications etc i like the idea of having citizens being able to band together potentially with conventional uh firearms to be able to create militias under the direction of state governors uh and in a national guard type capacity to be able to defend our country against uh, against a foreign invasion which i think becomes more and more likely as the destabilization of the dollar um uh becomes more of a likelihood um but in any event in your scenario if the Fed Gov starts to come into the uh, into the states to take over militarily, I don't think that bodes very well for them at all. No, um,
0: we didn't. If we couldn't beat Al Qaeda, they're not going to be able to beat pissed off American citizens. No,
1: well, the 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 more, first of all, morale in Customs and Border Protection and and Department mm-hmm. of Homeland Security and in in, in in a whole is at an all-time low. They are having uh, extreme difficulty keeping their people there. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the Border Patrol, I mean, they're, those people are just been left left uh, on a vine to, to die. Um, They've been overwhelmed on the southern border, and this has come from an immigration lawyer. I mean, what the Biden administration has done, I'm switching gears very, very, I'm going sure. on But what the Biden administration has done is they have basically stopped enforcing the immigration law in the interior of the United States. Unless, you know, you've been convicted of something really, really bad and are and have already served your your state or your federal sentence, then they'll because they're not getting out of custody and they only have a limited amount of beds. So they're enforcing the laws to get those people deported back. And then they're sneaking back in through the southern border, which statistics are bearing out. But what the Biden administration has done is they've said that that if you sneak into the United States, you're good to go and we're not going to deport you. And you have at least two more years and the money that the average immigrant can make in the United States in two years, it it makes it worth it for them. Mm -hmm. Because they making two years in the United States what they can make potentially in 10 or more back in their home country. So they're flooding the southern border trying to get in the United States. And who can blame them? They, I mean, look at what's happened in Venezuela. I mean, all of these, they're, they're, even Mexico, it's overrun by gang violence. It's a war zone going on there. Yeah. It, it, uh, it, 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 any American that is going down to, to Mexico to vacation in one of these resorts is insane. Crazy. I know. I know. They're it's insane. Crazy. I mean crazy. Like there's no way that I would ever go down to Mexico again. Never.
0: Yeah, I'm never going to Mexico unless I'm participating in an invasion. (laughs) That's what I told my wife. (laughs) I'm not even going
1: then. I'm not even going then.
0: Make America Mexico again, annex Mexico.
1: (laughs) Right, exactly. So uh, get back to what you were saying with regard to uh, a conventional federal government uh, driven civil war inside of the United States. God, it scares the shit out of me. It really does. Um, I just don't know whether or not – you have to hope that the Ron DeSantis of this country, that there are more real leaders. That, that he, he has created the blueprint of what is necessary to be a successful governor. He's fortified his state with like-minded individuals. People He's created a, he's created a magnet for conservatism to, to uh, ism and people are flying to, i mean just a flooding florida there that that was always a purple state for as long as i can remember yeah, Chad. People.
0: it was so close in 2000
1: right i mean it, it, you never knew who was going to win florida now it's like it's been fortified completely right and i don't believe that that's written in stone i mean i think that that's sure. world i believe that we're one I, first of all I don't ever believe that a, a, a Republican will win president again I said that before Trump I didn't uh, Trump threw everything on its head on its head if it wasn't for the fact that Hillary Clinton is more hated by a majority of, of Americans than Donald Trump is percentage wise because both Democrats and Republicans hate Hillary it's just it's, it's just I mean let's be she's honest cold. I mean she's yeah. just old
0: yeah and corrupt yeah she, she was the her.
1: only I think I think in that election, Hillary Clinton um, was probably the only person that couldn't beat Donald Trump.
0: Yeah, maybe. Well, and frankly, I think that it was almost just a, a campaign slip up that she didn't win because she did win the popular vote. She just Her campaign mm-hmm. didn't manage where they were get, trying to get. The, they didn't think about the Electoral College enough. And if they had, I think they might have they had it in the bag.
1: Well, you know, I, I, I was, I, my team had the most first downs. So we should win the game. Was right. like the fuck no, no, no. I'm
0: not I'm not criticizing. I'm no, just saying I know they, they were going popular. They were going popular, and Trump was like, All right, this is gonna be tight. So and look, he what, went I mean, what, yeah, he was
1: masterful. He was masterful. I, I didn't I uh I voted for Gary Johnson uh sure. twice. Like, what is Aleppo? Move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh <laughs> and, like and it, he had Bill Weld. Oh my god, Bill Weld. Oh, Bill Weld, Bill Weld, Bill and you know what? I mean, and I'm not going to say his name because he's a personal friend of mine, but my my former congressman, he totally flipped on Second Amendment right issues and uh, was one of the Republicans that signed on to the co- co- the congressional gun control legislation that just passed. He was one of the few Republicans that crossed. It's like, I just... It seems like there are two Democrats in the entire country that are willing to act against the um, the far left of the Democratic Party. And, and then Gabbard, there's, but she's 25, not even... and there's 25 yeah. or 30 Republicans that want to be on that, that want to be Democrats.
0: Yeah, there's there's not I've come to the conclusion after this midterm election because I thought it was going to be a red wave, just like most. people. Oh, know. I didn't. I didn't. I, well, it's because you're smarter than me. But I thought it was going to be a red wave because maybe I'm just uh, optimistic and wishful. I,
1: I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. I'm I'm am I'm a, pe- a pessimist. I always expect <laughs> my team to lose.
0: Well, yeah, it's a good lawyer, right? So <laughs> yeah. you always got to think like you're losing, right? So, mm-hmm. but but when I saw what happened and when I saw Mitch McConnell come out and say, you know, we need to reach across the aisle and you know, uh, you know, focus on the forty percent of things that we do agree on. I just knew, like, holy shit, this is a uniparty. There is no Republican. and there, there are American, there's the American left and the American right, and those are different, the voters. But there is no difference between the political left and the political right, with mm-hmm. few exceptions, right? Mm-hmm. And so my thinking now is, all right, so, you know, the uniparty is not just some sort of sarcastic jab at what's going on. Like, this is a fucking single-party state, Mm-hmm. It's as simple no, as that, so when you're talking about third party and trying to push third parties you 're not talking about a third party you 're talking about getting back to a two party system because we don't have that at the federal level at least at all when you have you know Republicans voting to send billions of dollars to Ukraine, knowing that it 's a money laundering scheme or too incompetent not to realize what 's going on like that's absolutely absolutely ridiculous it's fucking treason, Colkin. And, and I agree. this is this is our fucking leadership. So I do like, where's, where's our
1: representation. I don't want to see anything pass through Congress. Nothing. I want to right. see two years of government shutdown and investigations. That's all I want to see. I want scorched earth. Let's strangle every single administrative agency. Get rid of all of their funding. All of it. I mean, and, and this is I don't have any visions of grandeur that this is going to happen. But it's not enough to just have these sham investigations. I mean, they literally need to they need to throw some people in jail. I I believe that and I'm not saying that Donald Trump I I, I didn't vote for Donald Trump's time run, as I just said, I voted for a second time, which we talked about in previous podcasts. And I didn't vote for Donald Trump. I voted against the Democrats. I personally don't sure. like Donald. I think you know. I like a lot of the things that he did. The first three years of his presidency were the were the uh, um, the greatest years of my adult life financially. Uh, with respect to the economy, just exploded under him. We just were so strong as a country under him. So I, I was like, you know what? He, I'm going to give him my vote based on the fact that what the Democrats did to collude with the FISA courts and all those things that I have spoken about. Right. Uh It made me realize that I had to punish the Democrats and, and not vote for a libertarian candidate. And now I realize that I can't vote for a libertarian candidate anymore because we're, if it, I mean, New York was close. It was only like six points. Lee Zeldin almost pulled it out against Kathy Hochul. I mean, that was shocking to me that it wasn't a 20 points a 20 point difference that that a republican got within like six percentage points of a democrat in new york state mm-hmm. is you know and and i don't believe that new york is savable sure. just like, like california believe, yeah it's not savable the people here in new york city where all the people live want to build new york they want a debt so uh, how are you going to fight against that? The, I mean, majority, its we don't have an electoral college in the states. It no. doesn't make a difference that the vast majority of New York state is red. You look at the the, the county. Illinois, county,
0: same thing. Yeah. Cook County carries the state. Every other county is red except for maybe one. And right. Cook and, and,
1: and that's why I'm saying that that's what the Civil War is going to look like. Because it's going to be 10 more, how many more election cycles before Finally, the majority of the, the land mass of the country says, you know what? Let's make two countries, the big cities and the rural areas of the country. And we're gonna, the rural area of the country is going to be red. The big cities are going to be blue. And the way we're going to live together, we're going to have a free trade agreement between the, 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 the cities and the, and, uh, and the, the food-producing areas and the oil-producing areas and we're going to live in harmony. You guys are going to have your craziness in the big cities, and we're just going to have our, our our our. We're just going to cling to our religion and our guns.
0: Yeah. Well, what's concerning about it to me is, if history is any prophet, things are going to have to get much worse before people.
1: They're going to get much worse. Right.
0: They're going to. But like, if you look at if you look at what happened in in, in Germany in nineteen thirty three that was 30, 30% unemployment, right? So right now in the United States, we have a situation in which if you're unemployed, it's you know, maybe you're injured or maybe you have a mental illness or uh, you know, maybe you're, you're just working the system, but you're, you're still like making ends meet, right? However you're doing it, whether it's by being productive or not. But when you have 30% unemployment, that means that every day, a substantial number of normal, competent people with some skill are going out every morning and looking for an opportunity and coming home having found none. And you can only do that for so long before people start getting fucking weird, right? And that's what I'm, that's what happened with the Nazi party. They just got a little weird. They started blaming, you know, like this group, right? And they just got, and they got rallied behind it. And so we're not going to see any sort of political change in this country until things get like 30% unemployment yeah. bad for years and... Who the fuck are we gonna blame when that happens? Well, Who's gonna be and, the
1: oh? Well, let's let's Jen Psaki circle back to my doomsday bunker portion of the conversation. Why do you think all these big tech people are building bunkers? Because they are. At, we're talking about the obsolescence of the workforce, which is going to result in the increase of uh, of of unemployed individuals. And who that? And you just asked the question: What are these squirrely? Who are they going to go after? They're going to go after people that have. They're going to go after mm-hmm. the people that are living in the Mitt Romney house with an elevator in La Jolla, California, or wherever the hell it is. I mean, that. I mean, there's there the have-nots. Well, there's there. I don't know if you listen to anything that Andrew uh, was it Andrew Chang? It was it an Andrew, Andrew Chang who ran for for president. Um, Andrew. I can't think of his name now.
0: Yang Yang with a Y. Yang with a Y. Yang, Andrew yeah. Yang, and,
1: and he was in. Uh, he was on the the uh, the bandwagon for universal basic income, and and I believe that the reason why he was, and honestly, I mean, I I'm not an economist. I don't know how much that would cost. Uh, I don't know whether or not that's feasible. But hypothetically speaking, if we were, I mean, look at how much money we're giving to Ukraine and how much money we're giving to wasted programs to study the 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 sexual proclivities of of squirrels you know if we eliminated all the fraud and waste if you were to write a check to the average american for $1000 a month i don't know if that's possible or not but if you if we were to do that 100% of that would go back into the economy 100% every single penny would be spent back yeah. in And and it would it would drive economic growth and it would drive employment.
0: Maybe. But if if you look at what happened in healthcare and what happened in higher education in this country, as soon as the government started picking up the tab, that's when the prices skyrocketed. So my fear is that if you're if you're flushing the market with cash, you're going to see a situation in which just all the prices go up because everybody has cash. That's
1: true.
0: You know, and maybe that's only temporary. That's that's my only concern. My only concern about it, I would be open to the idea of universal basic income if it came with the caveat that all other welfare uh, entitlement programs be eliminated. Oh, absolutely. You could choose one or the other. Do you want the check or do you want health insurance, right?
1: 100% 100 including Social Security. Like eliminate it all. Like eliminate it all and you'd have to tie it to a flat tax as well, I believe. Um, and that's, a, 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 I'm not an economist. I don't know if anything that I'm saying is, I'm, I guarantee you anyone that knows what they're talking about, and I am not someone that knows what he talk, he's talking about when it comes to ac- uh, economic issues, will dispel everything that I'm saying. But all I know is, is that, that um, the welfare system needs is, that's, that's a joke. That needs to be completely revamped completely. But we're too rich of a country to have people sleeping on the streets.
0: Absolutely. And that's one of the things that pisses me off about the left is they always portray the right as this sort of um non empathetic, like sociopathic CEO, executive type mentality. And I don't think I've ever heard of a single Republican, with maybe the exception of Ayn Rand, say that, you know, people who are actually struggling should have no help. Right? There are people that make the yeah. argument that churches would do it or churches could do it and charities could do it, and maybe they're right. I, I don't know. But but nobody actually believes that people who need help shouldn't be helped. The problem is that we create these systems, and they're exploited by everyone, and mm-hmm. they they perpetuate the problem in order to sustain themselves as organizations. So the more money we fund to fight homelessness in Los Angeles, the worse homelessness gets, and then the more we have to fund, and it's just like this cycle of of, of constant waste and and um, uh, corruption. It seems like with all these entitlement programs. So, but but you're right. I mean, like, yeah, I don't want to see. I don't want to see anybody uh, struggling to feed their family. And I don't want to see, Mm -hmm. I don't want to see people that can't give uh, Christmas presents to their kids. Like Mm -hmm. that's, that's terrible. And I'm happy to help out of my own pocket voluntarily, or if taxes Mm -hmm. actually could accomplish that, that'd be, that'd be great. It's like I say about, uh, Oh, go ahead. How many
1: have we given to Ukraine?
0: Well, uh, I wasn't there one fat 80 billion. And then there's been like seven here, 13 here on top of that. I think it's over a hundred
1: billion. I would I guess. so we're talking about 2 billion per state if we were to have given each state 2 billion dollars directly for the creation of the, of food kitchens for the for individuals that are food insecure i mean how much could 2 billion how far does that go you have to think that i mean i don't know how to get it done i just know that sending to Ukraine is not a good idea. It was the most corrupt country in all of Europe. All of the leftist magazines were talking about how corrupt Ukraine was two they're years Nazis. ago. Nazis. They have and a Nazi, Nazi problem. Weiss
0: did a documentary about it. they're actually Nazis, like with the flag, right? Nazis. Like I, I, I've seen the we'll, interviews.
1: <laughs> like they're not. You, you posted a poll. Where are there more Nazis? Russia or Ukraine? <laughs>
0: I said, I said, I said China, the people of China oh, or the people of Ukraine, but we're funding Ukraine, but we're ignoring the people in China. Right. That was the point. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> it, you see it, the poll I fun. ran the
0: other day with, about uh, um, uh, who would be a better president of the United States, uh, yes. Vladimir Putin or Kamala Harris, 94 percent,
1: 3000 votes. Said Vladimir Putin. <laughs> I, I voted for Putin. I mean, Kamala Harris isn't completely. She's not capable of doing anything. OK, so let's talk about. OK, so I just popped in my head. Because of Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris got completely destroyed by Tulsi Gabbard on the debate stage. I thought that was the end of her political career. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Uh, uh, what do you think about Tulsi Gabbard and what she's been doing recently? Have you been following her at all?
0: Yeah, I follow her. I think she's incredibly attractive,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, I think that she's earnest. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what her play is. Because I can't see how, I can't see how what she's doing is actually going to accomplish anything for her politically um, but she doesn't strike me as disingenuous I think she probably never really was a Democrat and she just had to run as one to get elected in Hawaii and that's probably why she did it she's probably more of like a libertarian sort of she's not like an evangelical Republican and that she doesn't believe in um, uh, she probably believed in like the right for gay people to get getting at but i like her she's never really said anything that i disagreed with
1: she said a lot that i disagreed with on the second amendment front but she what'd she recently... say about second amendment well she was first up in bands previously mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but she just came out uh within the last month and wrote an entire and, and gave a, a a talk about how wrong she was with regards to the restrictions that she was advocating for with regards to our, our Second Amendment freedoms and specifically set forth, in my my opinion, in my legal opinion, the correct interpretation of the Second Amendment and what it's for and that, uh, and that the Second Amendment was there to prevent against an overreaching, tyrannical executive branch that abuses the Army in times of, to restrict the freedoms the constitutionally protected freedoms of American citizens. And that a safeguard against that is for the average citizen to be able to have access to military grade weapons so that they can participate in a militia if called upon by uh, a a state governor uh, in order to, uh, to engage in war against both a domestic enemy and a foreign enemy. Sure. And that we're supposed to have access to those weapons. So this is what she was saying and and it's correct. Uh, very much so. And that was the one thing that I was I was waiting for. I'm like, yeah, I just can't. Because as I was saying, a friend of mine, just me in the ass, someone that I've supported throughout his, the entirety of his political career, all the way up to being my congressman. Um, and he turns back on Second Amendment protections at the last minute. And uh, so I'm very, very hesitant when I hear anybody flip flopping on, on that issue. Because it's like, you know, you're, you, either you get it or you don't. But it's nice to see somebody flip-flop from the, the, the infringements side to the, the freedom sure,
0: side. Sure, sure. And here's that um, – is it J.P. Sears, that, that red, the redheaded uh, YouTuber that's really funny? Um, he, he used to be sort of on the Oh, left. yeah, yeah, I know him. He came out with a video and said, you know, I'm pro-Second Amendment. But the, you got to also think about the context in which the Second, the second Amendment was, was written. Like, we were an incredibly vulnerable nation right i mean the federal government had zero money mm-hmm. that's why the articles of confederation failed Right. When the Bill of Rights was written, there were Native Americans on several different fronts constantly. Mm-hmm. we just gotten out of a war with the the the, the most powerful nation mm-hmm. uh, in the world. And what's to say they don't attack us again now that we're vulnerable? Mm-hmm. And so there were all so so they were thinking, we got to have everybody armed. You don't want a situation where Ukraine gets invaded and the government has to frantically hand out AK-47s to everyone. You just want mm-hmm. everybody to already have one.
1: Right. <laughs> and so. And- in U.S. v. Miller, they go – because the new ses- test as set forth uh, in uh, New York State pistol and rifle v. Bruin is that it, for, the government bears the burden of proving that um, if they intend to pass a law that's going to infringe upon uh, something that's protected by the Second Amendment and a plain reading of the text, anything that's a bearable – considered to be a bearable arm mo- and and modern, um, modern versions of a musket are covered under – uh, as a bearable arm, anything that can be considered to be a bearable arm is protected by the Second Amendment, that the government, if they want to infringe upon that right, they need to show that the history and in the United States of, of making those infringements, and they include examples of, of, uh, of infringements in, uh, your, for, in your right to carry in certain sensitive locations, which mm. potentially could be like, uh, they, may, they, they list like a courtroom, things along those lines. There's a history and a tradition of having those restrictions, and and that's being exploited by the Democrats. But that's not my point. My point being that there was a case um, back in the 30s, U.S. v. Miller, where they ruled that the uh, the, the the law prohibiting short-barrel shotguns was constitutional because a short barreled shotgun is not. Uh, in common use. It's not something that that people would need in furtherance of their service in a militia. It's not a, a, a standard issued rifle that you would need to be able to get in line next to your right. militia man as a 18 to 34 year old citizen of the United States, which is what the militia is is comprised of. And any weapon and ammunition for that that is necessary as part of ordinary military equipment is protected under the Second Amendment, which means, and this is all in U.S. v. Miller. It's the history of the of the Second Amendment or, uh, of gun laws prior to the Second Amendment. In that in that case, really good case to read. It's not that long. Most of it's in the footnotes and. It's hysterical because if you go through that, all of these, and I'm confident based on the current makeup of the Supreme Court, and these cases need to make their way through quick. That all of these cases banning uh, semi-automatic rifles with detachable magazines and other cosmetic features has uh, has been uh, said to, to make them shootier, you know, which do nothing. Right. Um, and, uh, what they call, uh, what they call, uh, high, uh, extended capacity or high capacity magazines, which are nothing more than standard capacity. They're the, the magazine that the rifle is designed to take 30 round magazine is this standard capacity that, that, that's right. most semi automatic rifle. Um, the 5563 form is, it's designed around a 30 round mag, yeah. 30 round mag it's that uh, uh, that all oh, of those. Right yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, all around.
0: I I only pack it with twenty nine though. I've heard yeah, about that's w- better for
1: the for the spring.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, uh, exactly. So in any event, the point being that I believe that all of these uh, these state law restrictions that are making that have already been passed in New York State, Oregon, I think just passed uh, a a new, uh, a new law, California, et cetera, and they're all starting to make their ways through the courts. They're all gonna. F- Bail. And I also believe that the the, the ban uh, with the requirement to have a tax stamp on a fully automatic that any ban on a fully automatic rifle that a standard infantry man would be issued as standard military um kit that right. that's actually legal. There's no. Sure, question I agree with you. Because the reality of the situation is that I should be able to equip myself with the same things that an infantryman uh, has. And that's what the second one was designed for. So that if I needed to, let's say there is a total breakdown of the federal government, there is a surgical strike or surgical strikes. And now we're talking war games crap here, but China, uh, Iran, all of these countries uh, gang up on us and knock us out and the federal government is rendered useless you we've i would love to see 300 men with rifles standing a post absolutely great like absolutely and, and you know the whole thing with joe and i'm now i'm on my rant i apologize I love the, it. Whole, the whole thing with joe biden saying "Well, yeah we've got f-15s or whatever it's, it's like well then why the fuck were you handing out rifles to the citizens of ukraine if they're so fucking useless why'd you lose against al-qaeda well, because you couldn't hump up a mountain, that's why. Because you, You're because pride. you didn't, you didn't properly train and equip our special forces people. You made them climb up fucking mountains carrying a hundred pounds of, of kit when they're walking around in nothing and are running up and Did you see? Did you see uh, or read um, uh, Lone Survivor? I didn't. Oh, you gotta read Lone Survivor. Lone Survivor. Um, Marcus Luttrell. Uh, it, it was made into a movie, which I thought was actually a pretty good movie. But the book, you got to read the book. Um, okay. It's the story of a Navy SEAL um, uh, unit that gets isolated on the top of a mountain in Afghanistan and is facing insurmountable odds. One man survives. Everyone mm-hmm. else. theres uh, I, I mean, spoiler alert. Uh, but uh in well, it's any event, survival
0: right yeah yeah <laughs> exactly
1: exactly so in it so much this was early on i believe in the, the campaign in afghanistan if my memory is correct and i'm, I'm not a i'm not a, a military historian so tell me to shut the fuck up but um the point being we could cut our military budget in half and still have the number one largest military budget in the planet if my statistics are correct and it would be nice would be nice if if part of that is the reserve training i mean if you made it so if you made it lucrative lucrative enough where every single community had a battalion of fucking navy seals or people that were trained by army rangers so that they knew that so citizens our, a matter of fact, it should be part of our education that every single mm-hmm. child is taught firearm safety. Every single one. Yeah. Every well, single
0: I, I actually have a solution to this problem. So in my belief, by the time – because one of my pet peeves about our, our, our culture today is that people aren't adults until they're like 30. And a lot of that's due to inflation, just because it, it costs so much more to get out of the house than it used to 50 or 100 years ago. And then the other parts of, part of it is just cultural uh, entropy. But there's no reason that normal functioning average American kids can't have an associate's degree by the time they graduate high school. So why is it that we don't just eliminate summer breaks for kids, actually get real teachers and professors into, into these high schools, Make it so when you graduate high school, you have an associate's degree, and if you want a bachelor's degree, you can get it for free, but you have to join the military and serve two years, and mm-hmm. you get to keep your military-issued rifle, you learn how to use it, you're vetted when you join the military for mental illness, and you know, is this guy mm-hmm. a wacko, or does this guy have a drug problem, and then you have, a, you have a population that's armed and knows how to use a firearm, and they're getting their college education for free, and they're able to join the workforce at the age of 20 instead of at the age of 26.
1: Well, I personally believe that, uh, that the future uh, path, the viable path, is not to go to college at all. And it's to go to sure. trade schools. Sure. I mean, I, I, there's going to be such, there's gonna be such a, um, an absence of qualified tradesmen in the next. Most of them are in my age at this point. I mean, we don't have carpenters, we don't have electricians, we don't have plumbers, we don't have the people to, that we need to, to, to build in this, in this country anymore. And we have a crumbling structure. I mean, you drive out of the city of Buffalo, and I was just driving home yesterday, I was looking at one of the overpass bridges, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, I drive under that every single day? That thing looks like it's going to collapse at any minute. And if that's another thing, Google. Google crumbling bridges in the United States. We got a problem. Bridges are yeah. crumbling all over the place.
0: Yeah, that's so, that's true. So you, I yeah, tell I, my son,
1: I, I, I mean, I, I'm a I'm a f- fourth generation uh, attorney in my family, in the United States. So I I always I grew up I wanted a lawyer. It was just it wasn't put on me. Uh, I I just I, I I I loved it. I wanted to be a lawyer. I obviously I like to talk and I like to like to argue. So it was just in my blood. But my son doesn't have that in him. My daughter, maybe but not my, not my son. And he doesn't have any idea what he wants to do with his life. And I, I've told him multiple times, I'm like, look, don't go to college just to smoke pot, smoke pot and get drunk. I mean, that's not the reason to go to college. If you don't know what you're doing, either go to community college, figure it out what it is that you want to do, or alternatively go to a trade school. Learn to work with your hands. You'll make six figures within four or five years being a tradesman. And yeah. you'll never be out of work never it's true but the, the thing the thing about
0: college that was so valuable to me was not the education but the fact that i didn't i didn't fucking waste my four years that i had to do whatever i wanted i was like i joined the chamber of commerce i think my sophomore year in college like i was by far the youngest person there i was like i gotta network if i want to get a job when i graduate i joined several different networking groups i i, I joined a. Uh, 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 an out of an adult fraternity like like networking did all this stuff and that the fact that i had four years where i didn't have to worry about a mortgage or a family or bills and you know other than things of that nature had no debt so education itself sucks but just the fact that the kids are blowing four years when
1: they go to school they're just not doing anything well you're an exceptional human though. Right. I, 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 fell into, I played, I played sports in college uh, and, uh, and that kept me busy because, and I, and I did well enough to be able to get myself into not a good law school, but I got myself into a law school and uh, didn't do particularly well in law school because I wasn't particularly interested. But the, the second I got out and I had to study for the bar exam, I put it in gear and I, I kicked ass on the bar exam and I started working and I started to actually apply myself because I wasn't mature enough up until I I graduated from law school. I was 26 years, years old when I, when I graduated, you're, you're not a mature adult at 26. Most people you were, I was not. See,
0: yeah, I agree with that. But at the same token, I think that the maturity does not come with time. The maturity comes with the amount of responsibility that you have. So if you give an 18 year old a tremendous amount of responsibility, like in the war in Iraq, those Mm -hmm. soldiers, 18 years old are going to be more mature than just your frat kid. That's getting wasted at college. Right. Right? So in, in I, whatever the reason is, whether it's inflation or cultural entropy, like we said, we postpone responsibility in, in our culture today to the point where most people don't actually have to do any adult things until they're close to, 23 24 years old and that is unprecedented if you look at the context of our of our culture right we i mean there were people that were lying about their age to to uh Mm -hmm. to get into world war ii they were 16 i think the youngest person that stormed the beach in normandy was 16 years old i I looked it up once i could be wrong about that but i'm pretty sure there was a 16 year old kid my nephew's 16 great kid he's totally mature but i can't imagine somebody who can you know barely get a strands of a mustache together, you know, mm-hmm. in that sort of a situation. And I just think that, um, we have to, we just have to pass the ball and say, listen, figure it out at some point. And that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. You're, you're
1: not, you're not, you've, you've changed my mind on that. I agree with that. Uh, that's persuasive. Um, and I, I really did what idea about not force. I don't like force service. Um, I don't, I don't myself. I don't like the idea of being required to go into the military or being required to go t- into, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, what's the what's the, the, where you go for two years abroad. Uh, or,
0: oh yeah. Yeah. Um, study abroad. Is that what you're talking about? Like- no, no, okay. no.
1: It's, it's just working for the federal government. Um, God, my, I can't believe that. I can't
0: well, and my thinking was you didn't necessarily have to mandate it, but you could insist. <laughs>
1: Yeah. The, so it's if, like who uh, wouldn't do it, you know? Yeah. If, if give someone an incentive to create, uh, to create an, uh, the, the desire to give back to the community and to the country. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I just know that it, the, the, the way to do the exact opposite is by giving kids thirty or $40,000 a year to stay home and not work or $50,000 for your friend to not work that's not going to do it. I don't know if you what UBI is. I like the idea of potentially getting people above the people. I don't like the idea of the working poor. I don't, that's, that concerns me. I, I like the idea of somebody that is working a job that they can have their income supplemented, not make it a robust food stamp thing where it's literally, here you go. Here's, a ration card that'll that's directly for rent and a ration card that's directly for food and you know I, I'm not a huge fan of government subsidized housing or anything along those lines. They usually go they usually get destroyed. But give somebody the ability to use their subsidized housing voucher to put it towards a mortgage. I mean, maybe that maybe what you said before, maybe that's going to inflate the cost of uh, of homes, but that could bet that benefits everybody that benefits everybody. If my home goes up in price because other individuals are 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 being giving money from the federal government, I'm not going to complain that my house is now worth 30 or 40 percent more than it was five years ago. That's going to benefit me. However, the question becomes whether or not that results in some sort of inflation. I'm not an economist. I don't know the answer to that. But the bottom line is, the bottom line is, we've got a real problem with regards to individuals who have an interest in going into the workforce right now. We have an absence of, of tradesmen, and the individuals that are going to school are going to school in and obtaining degrees that are fucking useless. They don't do anything, and we don't need any more lawyers. <laughs> we don't need any more lawyers. We're, you know what? are good. A, you know
0: what's a- you know what's interesting about this conversation, to me, is that this might be the first time in fifteen years that I've actually ten years that I've actually had a policy conversation, because the political dynamic is such that no one's actually arguing about policy so much as is who's a Nazi, yeah. and it's, it's funny because we used to in our country we used to talk about what the best policies would be, the problems that we have now I'm just at the point where I don't want my politicians to get away with money. Well,
1: that's where we are. I love when I get called a Nazi. I'm a Jew. You know, I get, I, I get called a Nazi on the regular.
0: Well, and, Hitler's chauffeur was Jewish, so he, he was yeah, a Nazi. Well, yeah.
1: I mean, the, the bottom line. Did you line hear what was,
0: happened with that? Do you know that story about Hitler's um, chauffeur? Hitler's chauffeur. Uh, uh, I've heard uh, was, it, but I don't remember it. Yeah, I think it was his. His grandfather was Jewish, which was a no-go in Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was like one of the first like 20 members of the Nazi Party. And I don't even know that he knew that he was Jewish. And when it was discovered that he was, Hitler's administration obviously wanted to treat him like any other Jewish person, right, mm-hmm. and send him to a camp or get rid of him. And Hitler made him an honorary Aryan.
1: Oh Jesus! I <laughs> fucking crazy? i an honorary <laughs> elf.
0: Yeah, that's right. I'm an elf <laughs> on a shelf, bro. But I just can't, I can't believe that, man. And it's so I've been I've been studying a lot about um World War II history recently just because I, I see a lot of the same thing. I, I'm a big fan of the Fourth Turning. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that book. Mm-mm. But it's basically The Fourth Turning is a book that was a brilliant book that was written about 20 years ago by a couple of actual scientists who are actually smart, right? Real experts, about how uh history is not linear, it's cyclical. And there's there's four different that we sort of go through, and I'm not um, uh, well versed enough in the text to to Can rattle them send, off. Send,
1: send me the book. It's brilliant. DM me the Steve, book.
0: Steve Bannon's a huge fan of it, um, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a very renowned text. And basically, we're like on the cusp of the fourth turning now. That's why the book's called the fourth turning. And shit's gonna hit the fan if it's like the if it, if if the historical precedence is is true.
1: Hmm. Well. Right. I'm expecting this shit to hit the fan, and um, I, I don't have a 30-round magazine next to my, uh, my computer because they're illegal in New York State for now. But um, I do have my new, uh, my new Christmas present to myself, my Jewish Christmas present to myself. Finally get myself <laughs> my hands on a – and this is a, a Jack, a Jack Carr-inspired purchase. I got the new um, um, SIG P365XL Spectre Comp. Google that. Like it? I love it. It's 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 one of the softest shooting sub. It's the softest shooting subcompact I've ever shot. Uh, it's like the and the, the, the trigger is really crisp. Um, I like the sights. It's the compensator is built right into the slide. It's a really nice gun. It was hard for me to get in New York State because uh, guns.com wouldn't ship to New York State because it it comes standard with a twelve. A twelve round oh, uh, magazine, so you had to, like
0: send it to a dealer out of state, and then have that dealer transfer it well, into state. when dot
1: com wouldn't send it at all. I had to go find someone on Gun Broker who would ship to an. You always have to ship to an FFL to, to effectuate the transfer in New York State. That's the way it works, and that's right. I, I always I always follow by the by the letter. So I I found someone on on Gun Broker that was willing to ship to my FFL here. They were then I was able to transfer it on first before i can take possession i have to transfer it onto my onto my concealed carry uh, uh pistol license and then from there they couldn't they couldn't turn it over to me until they pinned the magazine so that it's permanently pinned so that it's a 10 round mag uh oh and, and that's so, so those, those were hoops that i had flaming hoops that i had to go through to get this gun that i've been that Jack Carr has been uh, has been talking about for the better part of the year, and it was, he was teasing me. And told, oh, Jesus, that's <laughs> sexy. There's some cosmetic features on that gun that just make it way too dangerous. Check out my great. favorite feature, Betsy uh, Ross flag for the dust cover. <laughs> yeah, that is actually something that you should. Uh, I, there's another. Um, there's a YouTube channel that I follow. Uh, are these two uh, Second Amendment lawyers down in Texas, and I'm here. Let me hold on a second. Let me see if I can. Well, whatever. I can't remember their names, but one of the things that they were talking about was because they defend, they, they do uh, criminal defense, and one of the things they were talking about was that any modifications to your gun that is cosmetic that may show patriotism or look one of those symbols that the FBI has said makes you a terrorist, any yes. of those things, which includes the Gaston flag or the, you know, any of those things, the uh, thin blue line, those can be used against you in a court of law with regards to establishing intent and your fear of imminent, imminent, imminent threat to your life. So you try to, you should keep all of those symbols off of your firearms and I know this is an infringement upon your First Amendment rights because you should be able to say whatever the fuck. I you understand are. though. Yeah, they, they're
0: going they count it as an expression. Anything you say or or do may be held against you in the court of law, right? So it's it's technically you're expressing yourself with yep. your weapon, so they can use yeah. that as a statement. Yeah, that so makes sense. Put- but my my position is, if I'm using that firearm, I'm I'm not gonna I'm probably not gonna make it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, that's I, I'm either gonna die or I'm running from the law anyway. If I have to use that one,
1: yeah, and and that's really the bottom line. Anybody that's in this country, that's anyone that is really, really desirous of an of armed combat is fucking insane. Like there's oh, absolutely course. nothing that I want to do with being in a gunfight. I don't I don't want to be even adjacent to a gunfight like no chance. And and I love, I love firearms. I train regularly. I have, um, I, I, I train with this, this, these great ex-military guys, ex-special force uh, forces guys, army ranger guy who goes all over the country, teaches, uh, handgun tactics and and carbine tactics, really competent trainers. I've been working with us for years. So I I'm around firearms, on, on the regular and uh, I'm not afraid of them, but I don't want anyone shooting at me fucking ever. Of
0: course not. And you never want to have to be in a position to use it, but that's why no. you have to have it.
1: Well, I mean, people like us, unless you're, when you do something like you do, which is to, and what I do, which is to get out on, on the internet, on the social talk media shit all day. and to talk shit all day long, and I, I, I'm talking shit all day long. I'm stating my opinions, You're good at which it are too. So on, and they're inflammatory uh, often. And um, I get death threats. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I get I get death threats. I get terrible emails sent to me, you know, um, saying that making derogatory statements against my late wife. I mean, the things that people are willing to say it's and do sick. in this country is sick. Speaking yeah. of which, did you to see that video? I just saw it in Philly. In Philly some guy was walking down, cop and popped him in the head. Yeah,
0: execution yeah, style. Stood right behind him, and, and it was like that Vietnam, that famous Vietnam photograph. Yes.
1: yes, exactly like it. Like we're we're in the end of days type of situation. It's a purge.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing too. Like you can pass all the gun legislation you want, but there's 393.3 million weapons in the United States. So people are always going to have guns and, in this country, no matter what the and laws. How and many,
1: how many 3D printers? Yeah,
0: yeah, of course, of course. Did I tell you that I FOIA'd myself? No. I FOIA'd myself a month ago. and well, they, sent me, they sent me a letter and they said they don't have shit on me. But I've decided that I'm going to FOIA myself every 90 days or so. So, that if the FBI ever does arrest me, I can countersue for them not disclosing I was under investigation. In the uh, because-
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: did, um, did you just do FBI FOIA or what, what did you do? Yeah, I went to the FBI FOIA because I talk a lot of shit about the FBI. I quote JFK quite a bit. And I just oh, thought, yeah? I didn't think, I didn't expect to be on any list or anything necessarily. I just thought, this is free. It takes five minutes. I'm just going to do it and see what happens. And they sent me a letter and they said, we did a, a search of your name and you didn't come up.
1: I can't believe that there hasn't been, uh, and maybe there hasn't, I just am not aware of it. I can't believe there hasn't been a, a no-fly list case uh, where they've ruled that that's totally unconstitutional.
0: Because you have the right to travel between states. so Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: And, and, I mean, they're, they're, they were trying to impose, uh, I think part of, I don't know whether or not part of the red flag laws that they've enacted, if that includes no-fly, I don't know. I mean, the
0: federal red flag laws.
1: Well, there's also there's I think there's some red flag state red flag laws, too. Mm. Yeah, I think there's I think there's there's a red flag law in New York State, I think. I should know the answer to that, but I'm having a flag. If you're talking too much shit on the Internet, they can just put you on a
0: list and you can't get a gun.
1: Oh, and I talk a little shit to Kathy Hochul to campaign. I was on her Twitter feed every day, just hammering her every day. And I and I I know her. I've her husband was the former U.S. attorney for the for the uh, the Buffalo uh, U.S. Attorney's Office. Uh, her her s- sister in law is a judge. That I appear before with some frequency. Uh, her husband now works for one of my best friends, and, and uh, I remember, I saw Bill Holt not long ago um, w- where he works, and uh, he came up and said something to me. And I'm thinking, oh, you don't know who, because he doesn't know who I am. Even though he's met me a few times, he doesn't know who I am. And I'm like, if you only knew how much shit I'm talking to your wife, you would fucking take a swing.
0: Man, I don't, I don't care at all when people talk shit to me on the internet at all. I don't even respond, really. No, I sometimes I will. I don't block. I just mute because I don't want to give them the satisfaction.
1: That's a good point. I've just gotten to the point where I block because I just don't want them to see what I'm saying because I'm worried about them being mentally unstable. And I just Mm. don't necessarily know if it was just me, I wouldn't really care. But I've got kids. You know, I just I I, I, I don't want to be in a situation where if I if I have upset somebody enough that they're making those types of inflammatory statements against me or to me on the Internet, I know that they that I've, I've triggered them to the point that I don't know what they're capable of, and I would well, rather anybody just...
0: anybody who makes a death threat to anybody. I mean, there are people that I hate in the world that I would not murder or threaten to oh. murder. No, no, you know, absolutely not. If I did actually feel that, if I did feel that way, I certainly would not express it in a digitally documented way.
1: I don't like to speed. I mean, and I was somebody that was a speed freak when I was growing up. I had motorcycles, used to drive fast cars. I literally set my cruise control for four miles over the speed limit now. I don't want to get pulled over. I don't want to be, I mean, I've been told, you know, if you're within that five to 10 mile uh, above the speed limit range, chances are you're not going to get pulled over in New York state. And i go below five. I'm just like, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want any interaction with law enforcement ever i just right. want to I, I pay all my taxes disclose all of my income don't play games. i just want to live i'm going to play by your rules and i'm going to just exercise my my constitutional rights within the confines because it's just i don't want to be in jail for anything can you imagine like spending you had bannon on is bannon going to jail
0: I think he's appealing his sentence, but I think he was sentenced to four months. I could be wrong about that. That's just my off-the-cuff response I, to that question.
1: I don't. I don't want to go to jail for four months. Do you?
0: No. Did you know that the majority of prison rapes are actually guard on prisoner?
1: I did not know that. Yeah. I looked really? Up on
0: Wikipedia. I looked up prison rape on Wikipedia just to see.
1: Is it um, is it male female or is it male male?
0: Male male. It's like a really? dominance thing. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure. It, I could be wrong about that, but I'm almost positive. I'm like 99% sure that that's statistically true. You're, you're
1: you're a pretty young man with pretty teeth.
0: Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have braces? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's been awesome talking to you, man. I want to let you get, to get back to your family. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. Let everybody know um, uh, where they can find you, and then we'll wrap it up.
1: At M. Colkin on Twitter. Come and yell at me. I'll block you if you shit talk to me, though, so just be prepared.
0: Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you.
1: Take care.